Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the Tara Styles Podcast. Today, I am thrilled. This is such a treat, such a loving Yes, I can't believe I got a yes for this one. I'm interviewing an incredible individual who has had the experience, the very unique experience of dying and living to talk about it. My goodness. His name is Peter Baldwin Pangor. His book, I listened to the whole thing and sort of one sitting, walking around, knitting, driving the whole thing. His book is called Heaven is Beautiful, How Dying Taught Me That Death is Just the Beginning. And he died in 1980 in a climbing accident, an ice climbing accident. And he tells his story very beautifully. And I have so many questions <laughs> and our community has so many questions. So thank you for asking and thank you for listening to this conversation. I think we could all use the inspiration and the comfort and the love and the light that Peter is about to share. At least that's my intuition about this whole thing. So I hope you enjoy the conversation and see you on the other side. Oh, I'm, I'm really nervous. I mean, I don't think I've ever spoken with somebody who's died and came back before. So I feel like, you know, I've spoken with a lot of, you know, we talked a little bit about yoga people and yoga and things like this and people that have had experiences and I've had, you know, living experiences with all of this, but, you know, you have had the experience <laughs> and then came back. So do you mind sharing a little bit? I know you share in your book and I really want everybody listening to read your book as well, but a little bit of your spiritual connection before this happened to you. Sure. I actually had a lot and didn't reveal it in the book. I okay. that's my next book. Uh because it was safe when that book came out, near death experience, it was safer to come out as a near death experiencer than it was to come out as someone who's had spiritually transformative experiences that have been out of the norm and rather life changing. So when I was a boy, I had my first uh experience of being a out-of-body experience where I was taken by what I called my angel because I was raised in the uh, Christian tradition, Orthodox and Catholic, but it had no substance and no beingness that I could comprehend. It was energetic light and it took me from my body mm -hmm. and brought me into the void, what people call the void, which is an infinite darkness. And I was encased inside of this orb of the angelic being, mm. this consciousness, and I had a, an experience with the void. I, I was pulled out of the out of this bubble into the void, where I had an experience of infinity, mm. um, but less than infinity because I was still a light body, and then brought back into this orb again. And the the darkness came into the orb, but it took on a thousand different forms. It just kept changing and changing colors and shapes and sizes. And it was speaking to me the whole time telepathically telling me that I had a deal, that I'd made a deal. And the mm. deal was that I worked for this beingness. Mm. And and I had to remember that. And then I got sent back. Boom. And so my 
my spirituality, and that was just one of several that happened before I died, and it, I didn't understand any of them, really. I, I lived inside of the energy that came with them, but I didn't understand them until after I died. Mm. And being able to look back in hindsight and say, oh, oh that's what that, that's why that, that okay, now it sort of makes sense. Um, so my spirituality was contextualized in Roman Catholicism and Greek Orthodoxy. I went to, I went to Catholic high school. Um, but my spirituality was always about this transcendent being that has no name and is no thing and is everything there is. Oh my gosh. I love that. I I want to ask you a question. And I, I think also, I'm so glad you're writing this next book because a lot of the people in our yoga communities, you know, we're kind of, we haven't had this big experience. And I love how you kind of say in the book, it was when, when this happened to you, there wasn't at least that you're aware of like this near death experience community. And I love how you said, like, I didn't have a near death experience. I died. <laughs> I so died. Strange. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I, 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 similar to you, I grew up Catholic as well. And I was in love with the whole thing. And I danced growing up and I had this plan in kindergarten that I was going to move to New York City and dance on Broadway and then be a nun. And then all my problems would be solved. And, you know, then I learned that, you know, the people of the church, you know, are flawed. And my priest was in jail and abusing people and all of these kinds of things. So, you know, I got really upset about that, but but kept to this, you know, love of connection and things. And I had a similar, not not like that, but similar experience of, uh, you know, sort of colors and swirls and things around and, um, you know, some, some thing, some no thing, how you say, you say it much better than anybody I've ever heard telling me I have a lot of energy and use my energy for good. And it was sort of like, like you said, you know, so I think you're going to help me right now, I think, but also, you know, many people with your next book and all of these things that you're doing to kind of decode these, these experiences that we have for our lives. And I've been trying to sort of do that within what I, what I've done my whole life, but I think that you can really, you know, help me and help people that have had these experiences, maybe ground it more in what the heck we're here to do. So is that kind of the purpose of your next book? Yes. And yes, in a word that is because prior to my near-death experience, I was, um, I was a mystic. I had had mystical experiences and I had them in isolation. We all have them in isolation. They're subjective. They happen to us. Sometimes they involve other people. But it's always the experiences inside of us. And then it's ineffable. You can't really talk about it. Not because mm -hmm. you shouldn't talk about it, but that's also true. You shouldn't talk about that kind of stuff. That's the rules, and um, which are wrong. Um, but uh, you can't talk about it because you, no one can capture in language what the experience is of, the tr of transformation. Mm -hmm. And so, that, so it's got this double barrier to it. One is social. You're not supposed to talk about it. And two, even if you do talk about it, how do you talk about it? Because mm -hmm. you can't capture it. Um, so I'm trying to help people raise their own voices to understand that this is not an uncommon experience. Actually, it's a very common experience. Mm -hmm. And most frequently, uh, it comes to mourners, people who are grieving, and almost 50%, according to a study that came out two years ago at the International Association for Near-Death Studies, a consortium of university-based scientific researchers for 40 years. Anyway, one of the papers came out and said 
somewhere between 45 and 47% of mourners have an after death experience. Somebody comes to them and, and that is transformative. And so if there's so many of us in the population and we're all verbally repressed, yeah. if we begin to speak about it in, group, in your yoga groups, and, um, which is, and, I, and I love the yoga community because you can't practice yoga, not if you're really actually practicing yoga, you can't do it without developing a kind of spirituality because mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a physicalized process of divine connection. And so... Most yogis I know have some level of deep, have deepened their spirituality as a result of the process of just doing the asanas and the mental focus and the breath. And I hope to be able to in, have individuals learn to how to find other people who are like them so we can have little conversations. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, there's this very large thing that's happening on a global scale. Medical science has been raising the dead for mm -hmm. 60 years. And we are there's tens to 20 a million of us in the USA alone, let alone all over the globe. And we're from every culture and tradition, atheist to super theist and um, uh, polytheistic. Everybody's involved here. Um, and we are now talking to each other. We have social media and we're in communication and I had no community and I was lost and alone. And I'm super glad now to find that not only is there a near-death community, but there's so many other kinds of people, more, there are more people who've had spiritually transformative experiences of, of different than NDEs mm -hmm. than, than people who have NDEs. We're a large group. We are a very large group. So cool. Um, can you share a bit about, you know, just asking folks in our community, like, mm -hmm. what are your questions for Peter? And everybody's like, okay, <laughs> the floodgates just came through. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel like if you do one of those, maybe you've done it like those large stadium kind of people, like you're just going to have the hands going up everywhere. But, you know, the, the moment of, of your death on that, you know, the, the cold, the mountain, the everything, everyone wants to know. And I know you've shared this in your book and you've shared this in videos, but what was that, what was that like? And then what, what did you, what did you see, you know, before? And I'd love to also share about, because I think this is so valuable for life, but the, the sort of life review, the hell that you experienced this, you know, the people that you've heard and kind of going through that, but but maybe before, it seems like before that, I know you also share like time is like not like this. <laughs> like, you know, like maybe a little bit just for my dumb brain, like before there seemed to be this, you know, like a no pain situation and then boom, you were kind of there. Can you, can you just explain that a little bit? Yes. I'll do my best. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was ice climbing and I was uh, at the end of this, of my life. Uh, it, we had been fighting our way off this <laughs> cliff for uh, many, many, many hours through the night and hypothermia got super advanced. And at the very end, um, I had this peace settle over me when I knew that I was going to die and there was nothing I could do about it. And then I went through the final hypothermic stages and at the very last moment, I, I, had, I had fallen asleep and I stood back up and kept pulling on the rope. And as I stood up, I had tunnel vision, which got smaller and smaller. I, I didn't know what it was. I'd never seen such a thing before. And then when it went to, as it was going to black, I thought to myself, I must be falling asleep again. And, and as I had that thought, 
it went to black and I did not fall asleep. Mm -hmm. I was awake and wow. I was confused and I had no more pain. And because hypothermia is it's kind of a pain-free process, but frostbite is not pain-free. Frostbite hurts. And I had frostbite all over my my fingers and I have every, all my digits, but uh, oh. they, but I still have them. But it, it hurts. It's like fire. And so all of that fire was gone. And I was I wasn't exhausted anymore. I was energized and I was confused. And and at that moment, as I awoken, uh, the darkness that I watched collapsed expanded and became mm. the void again, this very large dark space and way far in the far distance. I don't know how to describe the distance. I, I talk about it in terms of the size of the cosmos. Mm. It was very, very far away. And a pinprick of light appeared, and then it rushed across this darkness toward me, filling the my vision. And as it came to me, it communicated to me, I'm taking you. And I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know what's going <laughs> on, but I'm staying right where I am. And it 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 took me anyway, mm. and I had no power to stop it. It was so much more powerful than me. Mm. And it took me and enveloped me and carried me. Uh, back into this wider space, this greater darkness that was illuminated, and I, I I'm leaving out a lot of the of some of the a lot of the details. Um, I I was a an orb of consciousness. I was no thing. I was in a place of nothingness, mm -hmm. and I was no thing. I was we we talk about it as energy or consciousness, but these are our words. And concepts with ideas attached, and although they're approximations, they are not the same thing. Mm. Um, and this, and and that's the same problem that everybody who has a mystical experience of any kind has: is you can't talk about it because it doesn't exist in the world of rationality and brain. So I was this entity that was myself again. I, I knew myself as myself, and I I had no physicality at at all, no brain, no body. And the darkness came to me and gathered into a, a place of light, like an opening of light. And as I saw it, it was the most seductive and beautiful, attractive, desirous. Uh, I don't want to call it a thing because it was not a thing. Light flow, and in the, in the, it was it was pure white, but it was also simultaneously all of these other colors and not mm. just of the rainbow but of, of the electromagnetic spectrum and broader and and it was flipping it wasn't it wasn't it was both of them at the same time i i talk about it in being this and then that and this and then that but it wasn't that it was this it was simultaneously fragmented fragmented in portions and packets of light and solid one light um so you asked about and then it flowed into me. Okay, so I should I shall finish this part of the story. I, I, I was so attractive. I, I I moved toward it, and it moved toward me. And and I as I touched it with my being, it I opened, and it flowed into me, and it surrounded me, and expanded me. And 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 here's how I get to the timelessness part, uh, because then all these things happen at once, all at the same time, and I expanded and into peace and beauty, joy, understanding, knowledge, compassion, but also I the the divine light was looking at me and I and could I could see all of my humanness 
that I had the life I had just lived, and it showed me all of the dark hidden corners of myself where I had tucked away any behavior that I found myself found shameful or abominable or guilt, you know, gave me guilt. Uh, but it, but it not only showed me all of myself, it showed me all of the pain that I'd given away in my life mm. through selfish choice. Mm. And I wasn't watching it like a movie. I was inside the other person experiencing in that moment what I as a human being had said or done to them. And I felt all of their chemical response, their biochemical response, their emotional response, their psychological response, and the horror of that compared to my, I was also inside myself mm -hmm. and I was in the simultaneousness and I could see all of the causations, all of my, my emotions, my reasoning, my hurt, uh, that I was blasting them with this pain. And that pain that I blasted them with turned out to be mine. Mm. I, it was given, it was kar karmically attached to me and the, and all I gave away, I accrued. And, and that was true about love too. It wasn't just pain. It was all the love that I gave away also accrued to me in addition to all the love that had been given to me. But this, the suffering that I experienced, this judgment, uh, but I judged myself. The divine through the whole process was only showing me who I had been. No judgment at all, just love. Mm -hmm. This is you, this is you. And I know this about you because I am you in this life. And and that's how I was inside this other per all these other people, as I experienced their pain because the divine is them also. Mm. And I, when I could hear the love, is when my heart turned, when I saw the light, and my suffering had ended. And and then I I say and then I was inflated, but it's not. It's hard <laughs> to know what what came first, um, all at the same time. Oh my gosh. So yeah, growing up Catholic also, and I think just in, you know, the culture of like girls and boys. So there was no like old white guy. <laughs> no old no white thing, guy. No thingness. No, no gender. Things. No mm. gender. No body. No brain. No color. No eyes. No nose. No hair. No no religion. Mm. No no human construct. And one of the results of being in this situation is when I came back. I came back as a, as a non-believer of anything that human beings create. I mm. live in the context of it, um, but not even, not politics, not religion, not um, words. Words are, are, are as, as ethereal as religion is, and religion is built on words. But the divine, so far beyond our conception, only it was this, it was, it was love and beauty joy understanding knowledge bliss peace paradise ah ah um, awesomeness uh, and these are truth and these are all fragments of its whole being mm. like those little parcels of light and it's all, but it's also just love and it loves itself it loves itself in its own being and therefore we as part of that being are also eternally in and it perpetually beloved because we are that mm. uh, beneath all these layers that we carry. The there was no old white man. There was no Saint Peter. There was, I guess you could say, there was a gate, mm. but there was a couple of different gates for me. Um, mm. 
every time I passed through, so I passed out of my body into this void, I entered into this divine being that carried me into kind of like another gate, then, then into this higher heaven, another gate, and then into the divine, another gate, layer upon layer upon layer. Um, and as each layer peeled back, I saw more of my true self to the to the place at which i not only inflated in what the in the scholastic mystical scholastic world they call communion which is also a form of union because self is so reduced that there's almost no self recognition left at all but there was a tiny bit for me in the context of this much larger being that inflated me with its own being and and i and the more layers that peeled off of me the more clearly i saw my true and original self isn't at all what i conceived it to be from this point of view of my humanity i am a i am a photon of light superpositioned with a a field of photons that are the divine oneness and I am I am limited and less than uh, in my physical mm -hmm. consciousness, but I am also the same as. Mm. I mean, cool. <laughs> it's like, geez, <laughs> uh, wow. Um, you know, it's it, what what struck me about you telling your story when you sort of had that moment, or you know, again, feel silly even saying anything, but like the moments of deciding to come back and you know you didn't want to hurt your parents they had been through so much and and then you come back and then your your life i mean even that night it's almost like a it, it, like a like a like a funny movie almost like you you finally survive you get down you guys get that speeding ticket and then you end up in jail and you get out of jail and then you're back you know getting kicked out of the motel I'm like this is kind of you know wild in this way and then you kind of go on and you know hitchhike your way back and and have this sort of, it seems like this real shakiness of not wanting to be here, but you chose to come back here. And it seems for you, you know, that was one of my questions. It seems that that lasted for like a really, really long time of, I don't want to be here. I, I, you know, you got married and have kids. Like, I love my wife. I love my family, but I'm also like, like that's cooler. That's better, but I'm also <laughs> here and I love here. So how 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 do you kind of you know still be here and i know a lot of people you know i don't want to and i know you're not doing this either but you know i thought a risk of you know just talking about this like you know obviously you're not romanticizing you know ending your life and you know you're not talking about that at all um but there's this i, mean, I think maybe that's also why this isn't sort of in the conversation at all of that kind of we can't talk about this stuff because we have to sort of like here is the matrix that you said like is the only thing so how 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 did you sort of get to the other side because it seems like you have this big purpose-filled life you know being a pastor and sharing and writing another book and just taking the time to talk to me thank you very much and and just going after these things in this sort of small world while knowing that there's this big no thing for you and for everyone sort of on the other side how did that how did that kind of back to life transformation happen uh, kriya yoga is really the driving force behind that and yeah. um centering prayer which is uh comes out of theravada buddhism and the catholic church uh, in combination which i started i was exposed to back when i was at, at catholic school um and 
kind of, I, ha- I took it when I was, I should say this part, when I was in high school, I, in addition to the mystical experiences I had, I had a psychedelic mystical experience. I took way too much LSD and I had an end of duality experience just before the the teacher showed up to teach us meditation. And, and so not like the day before, but recently before that. And so I dove into meditation and meditation stayed with me centering practice. And that's, that's how I began my reintegration. And then I stumbled into the Yoga Sutras by Patanjali and Yogananda autobiography autobiography of a yogi in the 26th chapter where he talks about Kriya Yoga. Mm -hmm. And I began my Kriya practice because I was, I I was, I was so mad. I Mm -hmm. was so mad. I didn't know how, I didn't know that I would come back to suffering. I think that's really what it came down to is that I was in, I was in this, paradise of 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 joy that i can't even come close to saying what it is and it and it left me so after after i came back i chose to come back and and the divine told me that i and i said i was gonna can i live my life and the voice says you can't live your life and off i go (laughs) and um i came back pretty angry that i didn't know the fine print of the contract Mm. and so i I, I simultaneously had this, my anger was a, a, a hand to the face of the divine. But meanwhile, with my other hand, I was practicing Kriya and, and centering practice because I couldn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. There was nothing in the world that gave me solace or satisfaction. And, I, and it was more like a, pet, a, a pestilent child um, screaming, but you got to feed me anyway. You still got to house me, but I'm going to yell at you. Um, and, uh, and it was really through the interior practice. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 I changed my whole life. I was going to go into architecture and the family business and all this kind of stuff, graduate school and we had big plans and um, I went to divinity school to study mysticism to find my peer group. Mm. And I discovered that there, I had a peer group, but they were all dead. Yeah. They'd been dead for centuries <laughs> and they lived in books. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and I kept it a secret and I, and I, what I found is that the, the more I practice meditation, I know I came back with an extra dose of, of, we call it prana if you want to, that's a fine word for it this divine energy i came back with a, a charmed dose of it and so once i discovered that i had this it made my yoga practice particularly aimed at it mm. and expanding it inside myself and carving a path and becoming a, 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 aiming my 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 channel back to the divine so that it turns out that the, the i become a lens for it here mm. and the the practice of it matters a whole lot more than the knowledge of it. Mm. Uh, all the study of it's important. It helped me integrate, helped me integrate my understanding. But what really helped me finally be here um, was the thinning of the veil from the inside through my meditative Kriya life and extra mystical experiences that came because a deeper practice creates the, a, a more fertile garden for the mm. plant, for the seeds to come and be grown. And I became more fertile as I practiced. And, and then it was, it was before I died. I died a second time in 2015 of a heart attack. And um, it's a family thing. And I ran, I, I was in a yoga class. Oh, no. I left it. 
I left the yoga class. I'm like, geez, I'm, I'm really hot. And she, she like taught yoga. And I was like, God, it's way too hot in here for me. And I went outside and I had this massive heart attack. And, um, and I, I died in the ambulance. And, and it was after that. And I saw my, my granddaughter. My, my daughter had left her husband. And the granddaughter was one year old. And there, there was um, moral injury from Afghanistan mm -hmm. in her and her marriage as a result of what happened to her husband. And so I saw my granddaughter's life without me and I saw my granddaughter's life with me. Mm. And, you know, having experienced timelessness, even though I wanted to go back and I, I lived with this depression and <laughs> suicidality, mm. praying for my death every day, I also didn't take my own life. I mean, I tried to take my own life in high school. I never mm -hmm. tried to take my own life since then. Mm -hmm. And um, the there was a a sacredness to all life that I can't, including my own. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's not to say that I haven't, you know, put a put a, a wounded animal out of its misery because I have. <laughs> um, the the this prohibition that I returned with that I couldn't take my own life kept me here. Mm. And I found that integration is possible and that it takes meditation for me in, in um, interior practice. But mostly I found that grace is what's, what mm. healed me. I, I pursue the pursuer, and as I pursue the pursuer, I find that the pursuer pursues me and has gifts for me in, in, in the Santa Claus bag that I don't even know are in there. <laughs> and um, I get the gift that I need to integrate. And it's been an incremental thing, bit by bit by bit. It's it's a, a mystical experience of of some intensity is psychologically shattering. It mm. not only reorients a person in a new way in their life, it it can it it makes a new person. As mm. when Jesus was talking about being born again, I, he, when I read him after my NDE because mm. I'm at the Catholic school, we read it, we read a gospel every year. Um, which is weird because Catholics aren't usually allowed to read the Bible, which is I remember. <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you get a workbook. And uh, but so when I when I read him afterwards, as I, I came back and I had this, you know, wild new world, and I'm reading all these um, Lao Tzu and Chuang Tzu and the Vedas, and and I'm looking at Jesus and I'm like, he sounds like a near-death experiencer. Although mm -hmm. I didn't have that term. I was like, he sounds like me. Yeah. He's uh, what he's saying, I see. Mm. Um, and, and I guess what I'm saying with that is that there have been mystics in the history of the world forever and ever and ever, and they come from all these different cultures, and the languages that they speak are different, and their cultural context is different, their mythology is different, their symbolism is different, but they're all talking in metaphor because they can't talk about it directly. Mm. Um, but you can find it and live it here, right there, now. Not tomorrow, not next week, right here, right now, and it and the 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 practices of going interiorly develop that heart muscle, and so that the expansion of the auric field of what we are made of gets bigger and bigger, and actually, instead of trying to manipulate the world to my own desires through uh, intentional manifestation for the things that I want. I find that this bubble gives me everything I need when I need it. And, and that even when I make poor decisions, which I do, I make bad decisions too. 
that because I'm I'm cultivating heaven inside me now, I my even the bad things that happen turn out okay because and because and and I continue to grow in the divine presence. Hmm. That's kind of a long-winded answer there. Oh, I love it. I'm here for it. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I feel it's it's so cool to hear you talk because, you know, again, I just feel like so many of my experiences I, I've been quiet with sharing. I, I got into sharing yoga. My ballet teacher gave me that book, Autobiography of a Yogi. And because I, it's the first time in my life I saw this yoga teacher. He looked like Jack Tripper from Three's Company. He was just sitting there, happy for no reason, happy for no reason, like, you know, radiating some light. Everybody was, you know, not paying attention to him, being rude to him. And he was still happy. I'm like, I want what that guy has inside. You know? So I just, I wanted that for myself. And then I, I got this second thought, which is, why don't my friends do this? Why doesn't my family do this? So then I sort of went down a similar path and, saw similarly how I grew up in Catholic. I loved God. I love the whole idea about it, but then saw how, you know, a few people can kind of mess things up. <laughs> and then you go to yoga and you you do the same thing. And then a few people can kind of not mess things up, but then also keep a lot of other people out. So I just started sharing yoga in this, you know, the the easiest way that I knew how, the simplest language that I knew how. And that's kind of how, you know, our community built on that of you know, share these things, support each other, use your gifts for good, like trying to explain it in, you know, the simplest language. So, you know, another sort of question for you is there's so much familiarity in what you say, but we're all so unique. And I think you're kind of just cracking the ability for everybody else to share their story of this kind of familiarity, because do you think that, you know, through all the people that you've shared with that we all are basically trying to do our best to, you know, translate this divine here and use whatever, you know, like you, I love the Santa Claus gift bag, use like the special abilities that we have or the special ways to communicate it that we have. And do you kind of see that as something that, that you're helping with now or something that you know, can do some good in this world. I mean, also I have a lot of friends in the wellness industry that that do use manifesting just to get stuff and just to, you know, and it's very attractive to, you know, be in the magazines and have the the book on the bestseller list and and do the things and stand on the stage and and do all of that and then tell other people that they can do that too. But I feel like, you know, a lot of our the, the stars in the wellness world, could really use this, you know, Peterness, Peter no thingness of, of of manifesting. Yes, maybe you're here to stand on the stage and do that, and that's not the problem. But how do we stay on course with not getting lost in the sort of shiny things, or you know, buying the next fancy thing, or you know, the sort of fashion wellness, the fancy things, the you know, you somehow seem to not be in that world at all and still be writing books and giving talks and doing all these things. So I feel like there's, again, I'm sorry, I'm not articulating this very well. It wasn't like a question that I thought of before, but I feel like it's really important because so many of the people like me really get stuck in looking over our shoulder and saying, well, that person's doing that. I need to kind of do that too, or have those things too, through the lens of my 
even spiritual pursuit, which, you know, obviously is spiritual materialism, but how do we stop it? Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. <laughs> Self selflessness. And in, in, in the practice of the recognition that the egoic mind itself is, I'm going to put it in Christian language, the, uh, the egoic mind itself is the Satan. Mm. It's the thing that we need in order to live in the world. You can't live in the world without the egoic mind. You have to have it to survive. We've had it for hundreds of thousands of years. We, we, do, we build societies and tribes around, around this egoic self, uh, and that we have children because we have an egoic self. But it is also the problem, and the problem is that it attaches to itself, and it and it's like a veil. It's like we come into the world with two doors, and we've got the door in front of us that we see out into the world, but our back is to our, our, our original door, and we don't even know it's there because the egoic mind is like, keep yourself paying attention over here because the to saber-toothed tiger is going to get you. And um, and so all of the, all all as far as I can tell, all of the great singleness teachers in history, you can find them in the Upanishads and in the Vedas and the Bhagavad Gita and Lao Tzu and Rumi and Hafez and Kafir and Jesus. Um, they all teach a form of singleness. And the singleness is the solution to the problem of the many. You have the 10,000 things and just trying to juggle these 10,000 things in your spiritual life. But I could never juggle these 10,000 things. I don't have 10,000 arms, I have, I, but I have a single eye. And I can hone my single eye, and as I hone my single eye, I can turn it. I can turn it around and look at the door that I came in. And the more I look at the door that I came in, the more I see that I'm not this person. See, one of the, I know that I came back with. I came back with an, a bunch of advantages, and I didn't like. I didn't earn them. All right, they just happened, and one of them was. The, and, it, and it was the problem of my depression and my anger that this is not me. I know that this is not me. This has never been me. I'm living inside of this biological robot, and I'm and but my soft, my real software is up in the cloud, and I'm living like a life as an app here. And so, what I came back with was the knowledge that my egoic mind was not actually me, and so I went in pursuit of the dissemblance of it. And the and and it's I have I have I have a friend who's a famous rock star who is shines light whenever she gets on stage. It's a phenomenal experience. The whole place gets in a state of illumination with her because she's carrying the illumination with her. Because even though she has this great fame, she's lost her self attachment mm. and because she's lost her self-attachment she's she and this was a process over her life okay what didn't happen yesterday it happened over a period of time and she grew into this because she steps out of the way the light pours through her mm. instead of coming through the prism 
and selected wavelengths that her egoic mind wants to control. Instead, it, the light just comes through. And so the, I have, I have, I, I have achievements in my life. I come from a family that likes uh, goal orientation and achievement. And, and, and fortunately for me, I had that in my life because that has helped me understand and propel my career as a, uh, as a, an agent of light. And the, but I know I'm going to die. I know that none of this comes with me mm -hmm. and that the only thing that comes with me is the love that was given to me. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get it. None of the pain that was given to me, I carried none of that pain with me. Mm -hmm. The healing that I had was the healing from the pain that I gave away. All of the pain that I had, that was gone the moment I died. Mm -hmm. And so what I carried with me was love. Mm -hmm. And the, because of that, because of these two things in combination, the, the end of the false self, the, the dissolving of the false self, breath by breath, um, asana by asana, mm -hmm. um, the uh, capacity to see the light in another being increases in proportion, uh, uh, sort of in disproportion, because the, it's easier to see the light in someone else than it is to see it inside yourself. But the only reason why you see it inside someone else is because the light sees itself. And the more one is dissolving one's own egoic mind attachment, the easier it is to see the light inside the other, the easier it is to not have to worry about the Joneses, not worry about the Smiths and, and what they're doing down the street or around the corner, because, because this is all passing away. And if, and I, and I understand why people, there is, it's like the force in, in the Star Wars. And by the way, George Lucas was a near-death experiencer. Oh, wow. And yeah, right. Hey, go go <laughs> <Makes> figure. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can use the force. The force exists. Mm. And you can use the force for your own gain. And I'm, and I'm not mm. equating um, uh, manifestation with Darth Vader. Um, I'm just saying that it's, it, don't push the metaphor too far. <laughs> um, it, it, you can use this and manifest stuff in your life. You can. People do it. Um but it's here mm. and it's a thing and it's temporary and it's not my my original self it's not my higher self and and so in instead of trying to manifest everything i want in my life i st instead try to just bring heaven here now to mm. live inside me and it turns out that it lives around me then well the more it lives inside me the more it lives around me oh that's that's it i feel, for me that's that's just you know something to hold on to because I sort of feel that, you know, my husband, he's an ice climber too. You, you guys would get along. Um, and, and he's had a lot of, you know, these experiences growing up doing Tai Chi and things like that in a, a family that did that kind of stuff. And, you know, his, his question was interesting because he's, you know, kind of like you also East coast, like, you know, can think about things. <laughs> and his question to you was, and I think you just answered it, but how do you stay with that feeling of the experience and the love and the light and the, you know, using the force? He's also a huge Star Wars fan. <laughs> and and not and not jumping out too much of the analytical mind, even questioning, you know, I and I love that you, you know, you share in your book the day that you shared with your congregation 
about your experience and essentially reveal that you have no faith, but you you know, so you don't need to believe in something that you don't haven't experienced. Um, and and I feel like it's it's such a good that you're writing this next book and 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 giving just the permission to share for people to have have had living experience of this. But how do people like him that have had more living experience of this and 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 maybe not feel comfortable to share with somebody else? But how do you stick to that um, without getting back stuck in your head of not not questioning did that really happen, but maybe a little bit of did that really happen or I still have to do these things and life so hard or whatever it is. How do you sort of stay? Because you obviously you're in that. It doesn't seem like you have, I mean, you're a person and you do things and, you know, you don't want to be worshiped as some sort of, you know, water walking person, but, but you seem to have this ability to at least most of the time or be kind of know your way, know the things that can bring you back in. So maybe that's, you know, a too long way to ask that question of how, how, how do you find your way away from analyzing in a way back into bringing the heaven here, using the force <laughs> for good? <laughs> it, it, that's a great question because it is, it's the fundamental question uh, and it's the fundamental trap of spirituality ending up in the head and belief systems overriding doctrines and dogmas and structures overriding the experience. It's really only in the experience. It's not in it's that's the only place that it is. And so the experience of chi, um, the 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 chi ball energy, if you can you know gather a chi ball it, it, tomorrow, that's that that is you you can remember back to the chi ball. And if you reform your hands and get in a stance, you can bring that chi ball back again. But thinking about it, it's not the same thing mm -hmm. as the doing of it. And the way that I have always, because I come from, I'm an analytical person. Like if I take tests, I'm, I'm like super analytical. That's what I is systematically analytical. And, um, but I use my, my brain against itself because in some martial arts, you use the energy of the other person in order to defend yourself. And I do the same thing with my brain, which is my meditation life and my Kriya and my yoga and my, um, breath life. And I, I, constantly come back to it so i have i i have had over my lifetime uh, ritualized practices of time and in practice so that i have i show up when i don't want to show up and i keep practicing and i keep carving the space and the the then what happens during my daily life if i and this happens just i was out my bike just the other day and somebody almost didn't stop at a stop sign almost ran the stop sign and i was in the way <laughs> and I was like ah! and um it would have been gone poorly for me mm -hmm. um and 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 i freaked out i was like what are you doing and um and but this person stopped and they were apologetic and but my my adrenaline rush continued as i went on my ride and and which powered my my thinking about that guy that mm. guy in that truck and and uh and as i'm pedaling i'm like wait 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 that circumstance is over <laughs> i just go into my my chant i start mm. to breathe with my chant wherever i am and i follow my breath and i bring myself back to my place of peace that i because the more you practice in a ritualized fashion um basically showing up even when it's not working this this capacity to access it grows in proportion to the practice that you put into it and and in, in terms of 
a mystical experience, an energy mystical experience where you've had some kind of transformation that happened to you, you know, out of body experience, an angel of light, being of light comes to you, uh, or you have like this huge, super huge buzz through your body that um, there's lots of different ways that somebody comes to visit you. They all leave a doorway. All mystical experiences leave noetic understanding inside the person. And that little tiny doorway can be contemplated, can be pondered, can be mulled, can be looked at, not to grasp the, the meaning. The, the trap is what's the meaning? What's the meaning of this? Mm. Um, that, that's a trap because the meaning of it is actually the experience itself. The meaning of it, is the meaning that we want to make, we're making meaning out of it with our brains, which is fine. It's not a bad thing, but it's not the thing itself. And so to stare at the experience, the emotion, the closer, the closest we have to the, the experience that we, the experiences that we have is the, the emotional response to it, which is a lot less languified. There's mm -hmm. language, there's not a lot, of, a lot of a language attached to it. And so you can look at the feeling of it the buzz of it, the warmth of it, the presence of it. And that becomes a doorway that then gets bigger and bigger and bigger as mm -hmm. time goes on. So there's two ways. One is that I that the my practice of my chanting is running in as a tape loop and my subconscious conscious uh, constantly mm -hmm. so that I'm able to access it when I'm on my bike and somebody tries to run me over. Um, and it's just easy to pull right up. Or um, in my meditative life, I do a lot of energy, just energy work. When I'm actually deep in my meditation, I have no language going on at all. I'm either paying attention to my physical body and, or my breath or just my breath, one of those two patterns. And so when I'm, say, for instance, in, in a downward dog, mm -hmm. I'll take my mind and I'll run it down to the to the arches of my feet where there are energy centers, up my legs, down my spine into my brow and crown and down into my palms. And then I just run this pattern of my breath. Um, that's a little more, a, a little more of an advanced uh, technique that develops after one learns how to, and you probably know how to do this already because you've been doing yoga so long, how you relax muscles mm. and you tension muscles and you relax the muscles you're not using and you tense mm. the muscles that you are using. And that training trains a mind to run the spine mm. so that you can run up and down the spine because you can then begin to feel the spine. And so the a physical yoga practice builds naturally towards a subtle body practice. Awesome. You're the the yogi preacher. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> so I got I get kicked out. I was at the I was at Yale Divinity School and one day this is like in 1980 Jeez, it must have been in like 83. And I was way down in the lower stacks doing yoga, you know, in these these like library stacks where you have to turn these big wheels to move this. And I was like at the very bottom of the library, in the very back corner, and the librarian caught me and kicked me out for a week. What are you doing down here? This yoga, get out of here. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. So good. Um, yeah, I love it. The I love leading yoga because you get to see people have those little moments and I'm friends with, I got to be friends with uh, Deepak Chopra and, and, and teach him yoga, which is funny. He, when he asked me, I said, you don't need anybody to teach you yoga. And he said, yeah, but you're not one of those intellectual people who are going to try to impress me with everything they know about yoga. You're just going to do the yoga with me. And I'm like, well, that's all I do. <laughs> you know? So we became really good friends about that. That's what so, it is. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm just learning about you too, Tara. <laughs> and and uh, I looked into your yoga and I thought to myself, 
she looks like she's just teaching yoga. <laughs> it's <the> kind <laughs> of it. <yeah. laughs> I mean, I love it, but but yeah, but you know, I learned a lot about it, and but the more I learn about it, the more I learned it doesn't. I mean, I love that you say language. To me, language in yoga is only important when it gets out of the way. When you just describe what to do, and then I disappear. Like as and I. You know, Mike, my husband's a mountain climber. And even when we started a studio, I was like, I don't really want to have, you know, a studio and like be this thing, but I want to lead yoga. And I kept using the word lead and guide. And and he said, well, you know, when you go up a mountain and I don't know anything about mountain climbing, but he used this word guide. Sometimes you go with a guide mm -hmm. and they tell mm -hmm. you like, obviously, you know, like what not to do and all this stuff and oversimplifying. And I said, well, that's how I feel about leading yoga. You know, I've done it a bunch of times. Um, I know it enough to take someone else through it. <laughs> and so therefore, I'd rather be at least, you know, language sucks, but I'd rather be a guide than a teacher because once you become a teacher, yeah. and again, nothing wrong with that word, but I started teaching yoga when I was like 20 years old to like 50-year-old finance people who were like crashing the stock market. And I'm like, I don't want to be a teacher. I want to guide them maybe to not crash the stock market <laughs> and to like treat their family a little bit better and, you know, kind of just went from there. But yeah, I feel like everything you're sharing about just being in the experience is so good for, for me personally, but also good for sharing with with others. Um, you know, I I guess that's sort of the the main thing. I wanted, I mean, they asked me so many questions to ask you, but they all see it seems like you just answered them all so many different ways. But you know, I guess one and just come back to the practice, come back to the practice and do it and get out of the way. You know, Tai Chi, yep. I found a lot of more simple language in Tai Chi because it's not popular, maybe because it's not as popular. People haven't put like weird language on it, just sort of like unweight what you're not using, use what you need, rest what you don't, move from your mm -hmm. center. Um, you know, this this Wu Wei, I love this, you mm. know, don't overwork anything. You know, you can't ever be great at not at doing it, but you can always improve and get better. And I love that. You know, I also grew up doing classical dance and then yoga physically was, I mean, the poses are pretty easy, you know, most of them. And so I kind of figured out like, it's not about the poses, <laughs> like what you can do, what you it's can do. It's not about the poses. It is <laughs> but it's not about, about how the poses. You are, yeah. How you are in the, in the moves. And then, yeah, that kind of was that doorway for me just to share it in a more simple way. Cause I saw a lot of, um, people sharing yoga in a very, you know, almost rigid way. And also like we're rigid. It took me a long time to figure out like, it's not like all these teachers are bad. It's that we all have this natural tendency to be like rigid, narcissistic, you know, crazy people. <laughs> so we're going to like rigid ourselves <laughs> in these positions. So yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey, but, but fun and just to, you know, lead the experience. But I guess that's, you know, another big question for you that seems so just silly to say, but how how do you find or how would you guide somebody you know in a yoga class or in your congregation or just somebody that asks you how do you find your purpose if they're like if they have a yoga practice and it's not working or if they have it and it is working i mean a lot of people have these yoga practices and they do them for forever but it's still like is there some other like whack on the back of the head I feel like, you know, you, you don't give yourself enough credit with language because you're very good at the language. It helps how you explain everything in your book and in talking right now just it, it expands 
language beyond, you know, whatever in a nice way. So you probably have some words for how do we find our purpose besides just, you know, to the practice. I would ask, what, what do you want? What are you looking for? What, what is it? What's your, you know, in that there's a, there's a show and I don't know what channel it's on. It might be on Netflix. It's about Lucifer. And he always asks, yeah, he asks, what's your desire? What do you desire? And they're like, oh. and uh, that's really my question is what do you want? Um, if you're what's my, my purpose in my life isn't, isn't my acquisition of things. Although I like, I like nice things. I do. Um, and it's not my, my reaching of my goals, but I like to reach my goals. My purpose in my life is to become empty of myself, to allow the light to shine inside me so that I can then find my way through the world as it, as the doors open in front of me. Mm. And so my purpose of my, my, I couldn't find any purpose in the world other than love, love and caring for people. That's it. And uh, otherwise, um, it's directed right back toward my original self, which is, you know, loving and caring for people. It finds its source in the same place. Mm. So, but I understand why people want to know what to do. Like when I, I went through a, a crisis after I, after my NDE and I was deciding not to go into the family business and not go to graduate school and architecture has long been planned and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and I was lost. I was like, what am I going to do with myself? And 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 I found that by going inward, the deeper I went on the inside, the more I went there, the calmer I became about whatever was in front of me. And and even in anxious times when things are like really in turmoil, to come back to this quiet place and come back to this quiet place, this becomes the purpose of my being. It's because my, and I know this is hard, the, I'm I'm in a, I, I, I'm temporarily here. My self identity is as a Peter in this world, but my real self identity is this this energetic being that is actually me. And mm -hmm. so, instead of trying to fuel myself in this world, I find that the more that I fuel myself in that world, mm -hmm. the stronger I become in this world. Wow. And so, I back weight. You going back to the martial arts stuff? I, I weight my back foot. I weight my back foot into heaven and my right and my front foot is a lot lighter and more capable in this world as a result. And so, but what am I going to do with my life? That okay. So I my I had this TV show for 15 years and then the corporation purchased the corporation and I and my show was canceled. And now what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do? How am I going to earn a living? And and what's my purpose? Well, my purpose has been this through line all the way through. My purpose has always been through to find a deeper connection to the divine. And I find that then as I find the deeper connection to the divine, even if I struggle for a couple of years trying to figure out how to manifest it, mm. um, because I've got a steady spot. My foot is back weighted because I have that steadiness. I'm less frightened in the world of what I'm not because I already know who I am. Mm. And yoga can become like any ritualized practice, it can become a prison. Um, and how do you get out of the prison of your own mind? And if you define yourself, like when people retire, they have so identified with their jobs mm. that when they retire, they lose themselves. Um, and then they have to try to find themselves again. Mm. That can happen in yoga. You can 
you know, yoga can become the whole identity, and which is fine. There's nothing wrong with this. There's no evil here. It's just that it's a limitation. But yoga can be used all, not uniquely, but in particular, yoga can be used to do the very thing we're talking about because it's built into the practice. Yeah. You already, it's like it's already there. And so if you just add, add breath um, and quiet mind and use your mind to look at, to use your mind constantly to look either at the physical body so that you're not thinking in, in language and breathing into those spaces, then that naturally is going to give you access to your subtle body. And then you're going to be able to find your chakras and you don't need to know a damn thing about them. You don't need to know their colors or their names or anything because they're real. Mm -hmm. And you didn't, I didn't need to know the name of my thumb when I was a year old to know that it worked. <laughs> um, and it's, it can give you, it can give you purpose in your life that transcends your ordinary life. It, the purpose becomes, it becomes people, it becomes relationship, it becomes the living, it becomes living with the aim toward dying. Um, because the practice of the loss of self is a practice of the end of self, and that's a little death. And there's this, above this monastery in Greece, there's this carving on this door jam, and it says, it, if you die before you die, then when you die, you will not die. And that's that's what this practice is, is a dying to attachment to self. And so then you can end up on the biggest stage in front of the largest audience leading the best yoga that anybody's ever taken anywhere um, and and still have no self and still not be concerned about, and you can pay attention to the lighting and the makeup and the clothes and you you can do all the marketing and all the promotion and all those kinds of things. But then it's not about self. It's about it's about guiding others to find the thing you have already inside yourself so that they can find it too. And once they found it, they don't need you anymore mm -hmm. because now they know that it's there. And and when you were talking, that's what I heard in your talk. That's what I heard you saying. Um, yeah. For me, that's been the whole thing too is yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work for me how you say like all these practices are way back to that back door like yoga doesn't work for me if i tense up it just doesn't work it's like it feels awful you know if i i took some classes with some styles when i was like 19 or i'd go to different places and you know if it was like move your shoulder here and the teacher was saying something and i internalized it and it was too much too much force too much effort nothing worked. <laughs> and I was like, that didn't work at all. <laughs> you know. And I leave and I'd be like, that didn't work at all. <laughs> you know. And I would go home and, and just do a little bit on my own of what I learned, but then relax a little bit. I'd be like, oh, that, that totally worked. That completely worked. So, you know, little by little, just figuring out that that is, you know, the closest thing that I know to magic. And then that's always just led me personally to you know, like when you have this magic of, you know what it's like to die. <laughs> and I feel like I have this magic of, I know how, how amazing you can feel and how connected you can feel to, to other people when you have this physical practice of, of yoga working. So I, you know, I kind of 
spend my time, you know, with this whack on the back of the head feeling of every person I see, whether they're in a yoga class or like somebody at the mailbox, like if they're a little bit crooked or, or and I can stand just next to them and breathe and do these things like center my chi, then mm-hmm. it has a little bit of chance to center their chi. And then, you know, I benefit because then they're in a better mood and then they benefit because they're in a thing. And then I can kind of go around with my little secret, you know, power of, of doing that. And that's always been, you know, how I've, since I figured this out, um, you know, just move through the world. And I've, I've seen that, you know, unlock weird, weird doors that haven't, shouldn't be unlocked for someone like me, you know, from a small town, like doing projects with famous people and this kind of stuff and this kind of stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's what I'm trying to stay on the right path of doing. And I feel like, you know, not, I don't want to create other people to be like me. I want to help other people figure out that experience that you're, you talk about more eloquently so they can, you know, keep that foot in the back door and and do that in their life. So I think you're really on to just communicating that first of all, in a way that's hard because I've just been communicating it through like yoga, you know, and it's been like fine, but yoga turns a lot of people off. I mean, they're like, I can't touch my toes. And I'm like, bend your knees. It's going to be fine. <laughs> and they're like, no, <laughs> but I have to do it with straight legs, you know? So it sets off right. like, you know, any Christian is like, oh, that's against Jesus. And I'm like, no, it's not. You know, <laughs> They're like, yoga is not for Republicans. And I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> but like, you know, it's a conversation starter, but it's very polarizing. So I love you know, I love everything that you share. You know, everybody has this. Everybody's going to die. We all have this in common. And I feel like it's such a wonderful way to we have to use our language here as much as possible to do it correctly, to not mess things up. But I feel like it's such a a, a better way to, you know, just love people and connect with people and, and help yourself as you're here. So I just like that's something awesome you're really doing thank you well you and i were doing the same thing as i move through the world i do exactly the same thing you're you're doing you talked about with the uh with your chi i i and and so that the whole verbalizing of my experience and the work that i've been doing since then is secondary for me for the uh, to the experience of the chi itself that i i share wherever i go whatever i'm doing any chance i get and i'm not trying to push it into people i'm not trying to uh, you know use the force against them i'm just trying to bring it to myself and invite them in to share if they want to and they don't even have to know that they're invited in i can be standing behind them in a grocery line and just drop into the space and let it happen however it happens around me um because it benefits me and it benefits the people around me and and the more of us that are out there doing that uh the greater the the shield the force shield of of the divine light is in the world because we're all channeling it not us and that's really what it comes down to in in your previous question it's who are you channeling are you channeling yourself into the world which is totally fine it, there's no there's no prohibition for that it's just that it's not timeless or 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 it's in that it is limited and and i'm preferring the unlimited and the timeless and that energy is available to us and you're dropping into your chi and using your chi in the world in a quiet way because chi can be weaponized too mm-hmm. you can throw a punch with chi and you can hurt somebody but um but is but if you're if you're 
quieting yourself and just allowing the energy to be your influence in the world all around you and the the light sees itself even if so some of my atheist friends i have two very dear atheist friends and they they one of them calls me he says i have the god madness mm-hmm. and um <laughs> and the other guy he's been a he's been a friend of mine since something happened to us on the appalachian trail the year before i died and he's going to be in the next book and oh. um and he's still he's still an atheist. We still love each other, but he's also one of the most spiritual people I know because <laughs> he's got the, I can see it in him. I, you know, he can't even see it in himself, and that's totally fine. Um, but I see it in him, and that's good enough for me. Um, it it doesn't matter about belief systems. It's not about belief systems. It's an energy field that makes all things exist, and it's accessible, particularly in nature. You don't see the oak tree out there trying to radiate the divine light, but you can, you know that it is um, when you walk by. Oh, that one's got it. Oh my gosh! Amazing! Wow. Oh, I feel like I've taken so much of your time, but I'm so grateful for everything you're sharing and. I love your book and I'm just going to be stalking you on the internet and everything you're doing, but thank you so much for taking the time. I guess there's, you know, if there's one, if you had one, you know, short sentence that somebody walked by and they just need a little something to keep going, what would you, what would you kind of whisper in their ear? Trust your heart. And it, and look there with intensity. How fascinating was that? Oh, beautiful hummingbird. My goodness. <laughs> Everything's a sign. My goodness. Thank you to Peter so much for sharing all of that wisdom that's come through. I hope you really felt that energy of love, of peace, of beauty, of joy. I definitely felt that just simply sitting here across from a screen, speaking with him, taking the energy. So I'm sure it was able to radiate outward in however you are listening or watching this right now. And make sure you check out a copy of his book, Heaven is Beautiful. Share it, pass it with your friends, share your experiences. That's something that I really learned from Peter sort of had this bubbling up. It wasn't even one of my questions, but this, ah, let's share our experiences, not just if you've had a near death experience or dying and coming back, but your living experiences of being connected to our divineness. Share them, share them with me, please share them with each other. And let's get this conversation going so we can bring this divineness here more and live our purpose. So big hugs. Feel free to come practice with us on stralahome.com, the Strala Yoga app. If you want to be there and it's tricky or tough for you, feel free to reach out. Easy, easy, easy. We're all here to help you. We're all here to help each other. That's such a joy for me. So thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful day. Keep doing your practice, centering yourself. Remember you are love. And I'll see you soon.